Hey everyone, it's JC and welcome to Age of Reason. Today's episode 61. Uh, I'm going to mainly talk about climate change. And so already I know as soon as I said that 95 of you, 95% probably of people just tuned out and switched to something else because this topic is not in fashion. The reason why it's not really in fashion, and I talked about that on my restart show at the end of May, is that basically in the States, we have 52% of people here, according to the Yale University, who, uh, who know that there is a scientific consensus of climate change, which is like well over 97%, okay? The actually, the, the three remaining percent are often people not even related to this field of climatology. So they're like, you know, whatever, maybe physicists, but they're not necessarily in tune with climate change. So 52% of people, uh, agree or know that there is scientific consensus. Only 42% of Americans say that climate change will harm them personally. And again, this stems from the fact that most people don't understand climate change. They don't know anything on the topic. Uh, you know, a lot of people are what we call disengaged. So they're not in the zone at all. They don't know anything. They don't read news about climate change, etc. So climate change, I always say, this is not just like, you know, some kind of pretty temperature graphs with lines going up and down. It's a very, it's an umbrella term. And there's a lot of sciences that go into there. So if you think that it's just rising temperatures and nothing else, you really don't understand climate change at all. And the final map here is uh, the percentage of people who say that, yeah, global warming is happening. So here it's a little bit better, 67%, but still, still it's very far from a scientific consensus, which is over 97%. So I just want to kind of frame the show of today. That's, that's what we're talking about. And that's why I have a show, because mainstream me media, they do a very poor job at, at explaining these things. You go to CNN right now, good luck finding a piece on climate change, or BBC, or even if there is a piece, people just don't read it. And that's the problem. The global apathy is a huge, huge problem. So today's article, we're going to talk about what the year 2050 will look like uh, if we don't take any climate action whatsoever. So I know that it's a bit speculative because, of course, there is climate action taken right now. But guess what? There's a lot of people out there who say, well, technology will save us. And I'm saying, wow, this is really kind of a childish behavior because if you say that technology is going to fix it, then what did you do to fix the situation? Probably nothing. And that's the problem. To, we need to fight this. We need everybody. And we need everybody to take some kind of action. Maybe consume less. We consume way too much. Instead of having, you know, two fridges at home, you know, be satisfied with one. Uh, instead of having, you know, five cars, I don't know who has five cars these days, except rich people, maybe have two or one and make it an electric one. So there are things we can do. So this uh, article was written by Christiana Figueres and Tom Ravit Karnak. And uh, this is kind of important here because it says right here that they're part of this global optimism thing. And so is the co-writer. So and the article is actually not optimistic. 
And I'm not optimistic at all on the subject. I see certain responses to COVID-19, for example, and I have absolutely zero faith in humanity that will fix something uh, much bigger. I mean, COVID-19 is bad, yes, but climate change is like so much worse and I just don't think we're going to beat it. Sorry. I mean, I have to, you know, that's my point of view. So before COVID-19 crashed our world, uh, governments had two major crises, uh, the oil price crash, of course, and the uh, climate crisis. Uh, now all these crises have converged. And it, this is important because it says we can rebuild clean and healthy, uh, you know, things with trillions of dollars of stimulus. But guess what? We didn't do that. What happened was that Trump passed, the Trump administration passed these trillion, pa trillion million dollar packages and a lot of that went to bail out the, you know, the corporations out there who, like the, the air, airline industry, for example. I don't like the airline industry because they're heavy polluters. But guess what? My, our tax dollars went to save them. So instead of, you know, investing in green energy, which I would have liked to see, we didn't see that at all. And in fact, Trump is not a friend of green economy whatsoever. He's doing everything in his power to fight green energy whenever possible. Even though there are more jobs in solar than in um, all the fossil fuel jobs combined in the US. So there's that. So this article says it's 2050 and basically we haven't made any progress since 2015. Uh, the first thing that you will notice, if that's the case, is the air. So in many places around the world, the air is hot, heavy, and depending on the day, clogged with particulate pollution. So you, your eyes often water, you cough a lot, and it just never seems to go away. Uh, you basically spend a lot of time checking your phone, checking for the pollution index on your phone. And wow, this is already happening. Guess, surprise, surprise. This is already happening because in countries like China, some places like Beijing, for example, are very highly polluted. Or in India, some cities are extremely polluted. So people have to check the air pollution index. And depending on the index, they have to wear like a, a special mask or they don't even go outside at all. So, of course, this damages people as well. Um, there was a survey, a research somewhere it said that people who have, you know, people who are exposed to heavy pollution, they are 8% more likely to die from COVID-19. And you might say, well, come on, it's 8%. Who cares, right? Hey, 8% is 8%. That's a, some, some, for some people, it's a difference between life and death. Uh, they say here that the air pollution and uh, this vitals and layer, okay, so you can go outside with specially designed face mask, the last sentence there, which only some can afford. And that's a good, that's a great point. In America, like I said on the previous show, we have 75% of people living paycheck to paycheck. A lot of people can't afford a thousand dollar emergency or over. Many people don't take the ambulance because one ambulance ride, even if it's five minutes away, it costs like 2000 bucks. So these type of people, they're the most vulnerable to the effects of climate change. So they're most likely they're not going to be able to afford these kind of special masks of the future. Our world is getting hotter, irreversible development now utter beyond our control, which many argue that it is already beyond our control. But we have to keep fighting. As, uh, 
while we have a chance, we have to keep going at it. There's great melting of the Arctic sea ice, which used to reflect the sun's heat. And of course, this is important because we have what's called the albedo effect. And uh, basically, the way it works is that a black surface absorbs all the sun's heat and energy, while a, a white surface like ice basically reflects all of that back into space. And of course, you know, the greenhouse gases trap some of that, and that's true. But if we eliminate all the Arctic ice, what are you going to do? Are you going to take white buckets of paint and start painting entire areas of the uh, planet white? Or put some kind of giant white drape over area? I, that's just not going to happen. I don't see it happening at all. Uh, so, of course, the other thing they mentioned here is that... Uh, the um, permafrost is melting as well and that traps a lot of bacteria in there so COVID-19 is bad once again but there's a lot of stuff in the permafrost that is thawing right now which could be you know 10, 100, 1000 times worse than COVID-19 that's not a science fiction that is really true in 5 to 10 years uh, vast areas of the world will be uninhabitable we don't know which parts of Australia, North Africa, or Western U.S. will be by, tw uh, by the end of the century. Uh, no one knows what the future holds for their children and grandchildren. So I just want to comment on that. The people who, the, the adults, let's say right now, who don't think about climate change at all and who don't talk about it whatsoever, I really doubt that these people actually like love and care about their children. Because if they did they would, you know, talk about it much more and they would tell their kids, sorry, we screwed up. Our generation screwed up. We, we, we start, you know, we wanted to overconsume. Instead of two cars, we wanted four. Instead of one bicycle, we needed 10 for some reason. Well, we fucked up. But that's the reality. There are certain things we can change from today. Here's what you can do. But I'm sure this conversation is not even happening. So I... Honestly notes that some people, for some people, children is basically a kind of safe retirement package because the kids are going to work later and maybe a part of their salary is gonna, going to go to help the parents. So in a way, it's kind of like an ATM machine. Sorry, but that, that's just the way I see it. So for some people, kids are just an ATM machine. Uh, more moisture in the air results in... Uh, extreme hurricanes and tropical storms, coastal cities in Bangladesh, Mexico, the US and elsewhere have suffered brutal infrastructure and the damages have displaced millions. Try to imagine this and COVID-19 at the same time. So now you have these millions of infected people moving around and infecting more people. This happens with increasing frequency now. Yeah, that's true. When I was in high school, this type of big cataclysmic diseases never didn't really happen a lot back in the 90s. But man, they sure have increased in frequency in the past 20 years. So definitely that's happening. I can see it. Because multiple disasters are happening at the same time, it can take a lot of time for relief to, to reach those areas. Diseases such as malaria, dengue, cholera, respiratory illnesses, and malnutrition are rampant. So the melting permafrost, I already talked about that. So the diseases can spread through mosquitoes and ticks. And they're rampant because the 
climate has changed. It's a warmer climate. And so it, it benefits these type of diseases and insects. Uh, worse still, the public health crisis of antibiotic resistance has only intensified as the population has grown denser in habitable areas and temperatures continue to rise. Yeah, access to medicine is going to be a huge, huge challenge. Every day, because of the rising water levels, some part of the world must evacuate to higher ground. So again, that's what I said. Imagine like hundreds of millions of people just moving away from the shoreline. Every day you see pictures of babies strapped uh, to mothers' backs wading through floodwaters, which we already see, unfortunately. It's already happening. This is not, you know, some kind of faraway science fiction. This is already happening right now. And some people, uh, basically their, their house has flooded, so they have nowhere else to go. Their children coughing and wheezing because the mold growing in their beds uh, is there. And the insurance company is declaring bankruptcy not sure that's going to happen. I think the insurance companies, you know, they're very well equipped to, they're just not going to insure places. That's it. They're not going to insure places that get flooded, period, because they don't want to lose money. They have a money-making profit idea, so they're not going to lose money. Uh, those who remain on the coast must now uh, witness the demise of a life based on fishing. So in a lot of areas on the world already, uh, this is a problem, and Jeremy actually touched on that when he was on my show a couple of a week ago. He said that because he's a scuba diver, uh, certain areas like today and 30 years ago are completely different. Like 30 years ago now, he if you go back to these places, the life is either gone or going, or in the you know in the process of being destroyed. So. It's already happening. Even even in the past 10 years, he said, he can see clear changes. So again, you don't need to, you know, this is like things that people can see with their eyes. And this is really happening. And why it's happening is because the water is becoming more acidic. So the acidification of uh, oceans is a very real thing. And it's happening right now. So a lot of countries, of course, rely on fishing, and that's a big problem. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. And so what's going to happen to those people afterwards? Who knows? And to be honest with you, a lot of people just don't even care about these type of people. I mean, you have some kind of small islands like Vanuatu. Do you really believe that somebody in the States living in, you know, rural America really cares about some islander in Vanuatu? I really, really doubt that. I really highly doubt that. They probably don't even know where Vanuatu is anyway, to begin with. So this is actually the book that they, the, these two authors wrote, uh, The Future We Choose. I recommend you get it, you know, read it. It's education. So Surviving the Climate Crisis. And since we're talking about books, I'd like to plug in my book as well, Beyond the Obscure. Please get it. It's available on Amazon. Not a fan of Amazon, but you know what? If your book is on Amazon, it just gives you a kind of a bit more credibility because there's a lot of checks you need to pass. This also says that vast regions have succumbed to severe aridification, uh, sometimes followed by desertification. Wildlife there has become a distant memory. Well, wildlife has, is already becoming a distant memory. Uh, there was an article published a while ago that said that in the past... Uh, 
four decades or so, we eliminated like 60 to 70% of all species on the planet. So we're definitely in the middle of a mass extinction. Absolutely. There's like no doubt about that. And once a certain amount of species are gone, then guess who's next? We are. Cities such as Marrakesh and Volgograd are on the verge of becoming deserts. Hong Kong, Barcelona, Abu Dhabi and many others are desalinating seawater uh, for years, desperately trying to keep up with the constant wave immigration and with this demand, of course, with demand, rising demand. Extreme heat is on the marge. March, sorry. Uh, if you live in Paris, you endure summer temperatures that regularly go to 40, about 44 degrees Celsius, which is 111 Fahrenheit. Uh, so right now, when it happens, when uh, temperatures of Paris are this high, it's a headline grabbing event. Okay, many people like even CNN write about it. So, but this is going to become the norm. No longer, it's going to be a one off. This is going to be like almost every summer and it's going to increase. So people stay inside, they drink water and uh, they dream of air conditioning. So I, I lived in Europe for a, a long time, um, you know, in the UK, in France, in Switzerland. Um, I don't remember ever seeing an air conditioner unit. So this must be just not widespread at all. So people don't know about it, don't use it. But I, I think this, you know, people will have to use it a lot. You lie on the couch, a cold, wet towel on, over your face, and try to rest without dwelling on the poor farmers on the outskirts of town who, despite the droughts and wildfires, are still trying to grow grapes, olives, or soy. Luxuries for the rich, not for you. And then, of course, this is what I was saying. So you try not to think about this 2 billion people who live in the hottest parts of the world. So again, I, I, that's what I said. I highly doubt that people, you know, in Central America somewhere are really worried about some kind of farmer or fisherman in, in Vanuatu or some other island, Pacific, Pacific Island nation. I really, really doubt it. I just don't see it at all. I could be wrong, but I really don't think that's happening. So, uh, yeah, upwards 45 days per year, temperatures skyrocket to over 60 degrees Celsius, a point at which the human body cannot be outside for longer than about six hours because it loses the ability to cool itself down. This is important. We have a limit as a human body. We're not like robots. So there's a lot of things that affect us. We're very fragile, very fragile. So even in the U.S., there are some conflicts over water and battles between the rich who are basically, you know, who can afford it and the poor who cannot. That's what it says here. Food production is swinging wildly from month to month, season to season, depending on where you live. So I actually wrote a small paper about that, uh, talking, talking about Japan. Uh, some production areas like rice, for example, has to shift around because, you know, it's just like too hot in certain areas so it's going to move more north towards Hokkaido uh, but of course the fish life as well is different etc so some areas will be available for agriculture like Alaska or the Arctic because of you know melt melt uh, but our other areas like Mexico and California are going to be pretty much completely dried and so I don't know what's going to happen to people living there not going to be good one thing hasn't changed, though, if you have money, then you have access. 
this is gonna keep going for a while until money just becomes pieces of paper which have no value whatsoever uh, China is still trying to export goods but disasters and wars rage choking off trade routes uh, the tyranny of supply demand is now unforgiving because of its increasing scarcity food can now wildly can now be wildly expensive income inequality has never been this stark or this dangerous so the nations are committed uh, to you know helping people but there's going to be such an, a big influx of people that you're going to have to keep people out so most countries armies are basically now border border patrols lockdown is the goal but it hasn't been a total success desperate people will always find a way so the equatorial belt has become difficult to inhabit uh, parts of uh, central america are moving towards mexico and the us others are moving south towards the tips of chile and argentina uh, the same scenes of course are playing out in europe and asia uh, so some countries are trying to be nicer than others uh, but eventually all of them will have to shut their borders and their wallets and ultimately their eyes if you live in some temperate climates such as canada and scandinavia you you'll still be extremely vulnerable so i have a friend in canada he bought a well i'm not sure if he bought it or he rented i think he bought it anyway doesn't matter he got a condo in toronto and uh, he showed like a picture of it and he said that you know this is fine and it was like by the water and i warned him that this is gonna get flooded soon and he's like it's fine it's it's not it's just toronto like it's not gonna happen a few years later the place is flooded so there you go it it is gonna happen you you might you you can deny it for a point to a point and after that it's gonna affect you so severe tornadoes flash floods wildfires mudslides and blizzards are often in the back of your mind depending where you live you need to have a fully stocked stellar or emergency go back in your car um, six foot fire mode around your house well to keep people out i guess people are glued to weather forecasts and only the foolhardy shut their phones off at night if an emergency hit you may only have minutes to respond and that's true if there's a big kind of wildfire that starts suddenly it's gonna spread quickly and if you're asleep especially you have like five or ten minutes sometimes to react or even one minute to react that can be the difference between life and death the weather is unavoidable but lately the news uh, about what's going on in the borders are too much for people to endure and this we already see with COVID-19 oh I'm tired of COVID-19 news it's already it's already happening this is my point this is already all happening in front of our eyes under increasing pressure from public health officials, news organizations have decreased the number of stories devoted to genocide, slave trading, refugee virus outbreaks. You can no longer trust the news, social media, long the grim source of live feeds and disaster reporting is brimming with conspiracy theories and distorted videos. So just want to comment on that here. It says the news organizations have decreased the number of stories devoted to genocide. Well, we already see that again. If you remember a few years even i think today it's still going on actually just shushed but the genocide in yemen millions of people millions of kids have died because of malnutrition because aid was blocked from going to the country thanks to the u.s embargo in part so the news organizations are already very busy at shaping the news that you see 
we don't see the objective reporting we'd like to see. We see a very subjective reporting that they want us to see. The demise of human species is being discussed more and more. For many, uh, the only uncertainty is how long will last. How many generations will see the light of day? Suicides are the most obvious manifestation of a prevailing despair, but there are other indications, a sense of, a sense of bottomless loss, uh, unbearable guilt and fierce resentment at previous generations who didn't do what was necessary to ward off this unstoppable calamity. And we go back to this map again. So that's it I wanted to cover today on the show. Uh, so there's a lot in here to digest, but you know, um, watch the show, take your time, try to understand where the data is coming from. And, uh, you know, again, I said, if you're like an adult today, and if you don't convey these messages to your children, I kind of highly doubt that you care and love your children very much. Because if you did, you'd, you'd educate them on the topic, you'd inform them on the topic much more, so that they they're very well equipped to deal with the crisis that's coming. Because knowledge is key. Knowledge is absolutely key. If you don't have any knowledge, if you don't pass any knowledge down the line, you might as well just go back and move back into the caves. So that's all I wanted to cover today. Um, kind of a heavy episode, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. Very interesting and positive information to, to get from it. So I hope it's useful for people. And uh, I will catch you next time. Bye-bye.